0: Woo-hoo, Olympics in July. It will take place in Paris. July the 26th at 8.24 p.m. is when the opening c- ceremonies start. You might be going, what? On a world clock that is 2024 is when it will start. Well played, Paris. Well played. I, I was like, ah. That's pretty cool and I love the Olympics I know many of us do I I'm fascinated that I suddenly become an expert in badminton or luge or you know whatever these oddball sports are and I'm like oh well she didn't stick the landing that's not a 10 no way yeah huh? like I have a clue what I'm talking about right and I, I love the ideal behind the Olympics it is the idea of world reconciliation it's everybody coming together because let's be let's be real honest politics hasn't done it economics has failed us maybe sport sport is going to be what brings the nations together and that's appealing to me but the problem is it doesn't always work that way if you remember in 1972 the munich germany games were uh, were uh, Haunted with the horrible uh, attack. Uh, Palestinian terrorists took over the Israeli team, uh, took them all hostage, killed some of them. There was a raid to try to rescue them, ended up killing all of them. This is a horrible black mark on history. Uh, 1980, the games were in Moscow, but the U.S. boycotted them because they had invaded Afghanistan. And then in 84, they were back in L.A., and Moscow boycotted those. So for eight years, the best athletes in the world weren't competing, and there was a lot of uh, bitterness for that. Uh, All the way up to 96, when the games came back to Atlanta, and there was a lot of pomp and circumstance and then there was a bombing, and two people were killed and hundreds more injured. And I would love for this to be the, the moment that brings us all together. But real reconciliation requires forgiveness. And forgiveness is no game. Real forgiveness requires us being willing to lose. And that's why I want to talk about this in our study of anothering. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 if you want to start turning there with us. But I'm going to warn you, this is hard. We're going to discuss a difficult subject because we need to discuss the tough things. And this is not aimed at anyone or any person or any group of people. It is aimed at us Christians because... I think when Jesus was here, he said, if you want the world to take notice, your, your best way of leverage, your best tool of leverage is this, love one another, and how you do that is you forgive one another. Two short verses in the book of Ephesians, if you'll join me in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Anotherers need to take the responsibility for how we respond to our wounds. I love that Paul starts out this passage almost immediately and says, Get rid. Get rid of. Take these things away. And that tells me the first move is not on them, it's on us. Now that's hard. That right out the, the gate is hard. The first move is not on them, it's on us. When it comes to relational conflicts, anotherers need to be the ones that take the initiative. We need to be the one that moves towards that. Now you might be saying, but Paul doesn't know my story. Can I say this with all kindness? Paul doesn't care about your story. He's not concerned with whether or not you have a real legitimate reason to hang on to a grudge. He's not really concerned whether you are really upset and have hard feelings because you've been treated unfairly. And I think he has some credibility here. He's writing this letter from prison. And his prison sentence was not fair. It was not well treated. It was not he didn't earn it he didn't deserve it and and I think what he's telling us is we may not be responsible for what has happened to us we may not be responsible for the wounds that have happened to us we may not have caused it but we are responsible for how we react to it and how we respond because when Jesus was on earth he never said follow me and everybody's gonna like you follow me and people won't hurt you in fact it kind of said almost the exact opposite in this world you will have troubles uh, he said in other places when they hate you not if when they hate you they hated me first it's all right even in the model prayer we often call it the Lord's Prayer but most of us know the Lord's Prayer and you may have it memorized and that's fantastic our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our, thy kingdom come. What's this next line? Thy will be done where? On earth. on earth as it is in Do we really want that? Do we want his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven? Give us this day our daily bread. And then he has this line. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. What Jesus is saying is saying, in my kingdom, you're going to have people that owe you. You're going to have debts. People that that will owe you things. What are you going to do about it? I learned early this week that the Guinness Book of World Records highest library book fine ever was paid by a lady, lady named Emily Sims and she didn't even check out the book. In 2002, she was cleaning out her mother's house after she passed away, and she found a book, a copy of a book called Days and Deeds, which was a poetry book, and it was due April the 15th, 1955, 47 years earlier. So she took the book and her checkbook and went to the Bradford, Illinois Public Library returned the book and paid a fine because she figured it out, paid a fine of $345. Now, most of us are looking at it going, that's dumb. Why didn't she's, nobody's going to know, you know. Walk away from it. No, it was a principal matter to this lady. She knew that the debt was owed and she wanted to pay it. And let's be honest. We've all seen people that have past due balances, not in money but in emotional things. I would be willing to bet there is a lot of people in here that are thinking of somebody that owes you something right now. Somebody owes you an explanation. When am I ever going to get that explanation? Somebody owes you an apology. Somebody owes you respect. Maybe, maybe somebody owes you a chance, or a second chance. Maybe somebody owes you the truth. Friends, Jesus is saying you are going to have people that owe you. But he's also saying if we have debtors, we don't get to be the relational bill collectors. It's not in our job Description. Now that doesn't sound fair. Peter, Apostle Peter, is with Jesus when he's talking about this subject. He says, How far do we take this, Jesus? He says do we forgive seven times and if you've been with us any amount of time we've talked about that that the hebrew method the hebrew forgiveness was three times after the third time you didn't have to forgive him anymore so peter's doubling plus one so he's he's being the big christian so how far do we take this jesus seven times and he says let me tell you a story there was a man that owed so much he couldn't pay it back in a hundred lifetimes and he went to the king and he begged for mercy and in a move of stunning mercy uh, uh, unbelievable grace the master not only said okay i'm not going to throw you in prison he wiped the slate clean he wiped the 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 bill clean And then the man who was forgiven, he goes out and finds somebody that owes him 30, 40 bucks. And that guy can't pay him. And he has him thrown in prison. Word gets back to the master as it always does. And he calls the the guy he forgave, calls him in, chews him out and locks him up forever. It's in Matthew 18 and we know this story and If we're going to talk about forgiveness, I'm always drawn to the story of the unmerciful servant. But I spent a lot of time this week really just reading over it and soaking in it. I can't find a spot in there. Maybe you can't. I can't find a spot in there where the master was mad at the man for having that much debt. It is a ridiculous amount of debt. He could never pay this back. He wasn't angry at the quantity or even the presence of that much debt. He was angry at the absence of mercy. I have shown you mercy, and you aren't showing it to anybody. You see, another forgive, because all has been forgiven of them. And I know it doesn't sound fair, because it's not. But I don't think forgiveness or bitterness, I don't think it is a fairness problem. I think it's an unwillingness problem. In that story in Matthew chapter 18, uh, when he's telling this story, and he calls that guy back in the second time after he's erased the debt, he brings him in, and, it, and the master said, he looked at him, and he was unwilling to forgive. It wasn't that he couldn't. It's that he didn't want to. That guy held on to his debt like a right. Friends, I'm afraid some of us have owned our bitterness and we have turned it into an idol. You see, bitterness is not somewhere we get on accident, it's a choice. We get there on purpose we hang on to it and and this is hard but relational bill collecting is a choice and when we refuse to forgive we are practicing idolatry we have set our bitterness up as an idol and says that's more important and when we refuse to forgive do you realize what we're saying we are making an announcement that my will be done god this is my kingdom You do what I say here. You can do whatever you want to in heaven, but this is my kingdom and my will be done here. Do we really want to take that posture with God? Do we really want to set ourselves up for that? Now when you say idolatry, wow, that's... I'm really worshiping that idol? You might be sitting there saying, Dang, I'm done. You coming in hot today. You, you something happened to your breakfast cereal this morning. You're not in a good mood. No. This is harsh, yes, it is. I and I'm sad to say it's hard. But we need to look at this realistically. I heard a story this week about uh, three men that went to the Vietnam wall in Washington, you know, the big the big black granite wall beautiful and all three were Vietnam vets and one of them was a POW and they went to this big wall and they did as many times you mean, we've all seen images where they come and they lay their hands on or they go and they find their friends and they, you know, it's a it's an emotional thing. And these three guys are there and the POW is looking at this wall and he sees his friends names and he just gets angry and he says I'll never forgive them for what they did to me in that prison camp said it was silent for a while and one of the guys next to him said then they still you have you in that prison don't they friends our wounds our scars they can become part of our story and they need to. But they cannot become our identity. Many of you know people that have had some bad things happen to them, and that becomes everything for them. This is everything I hang on to. This, this defines everything. Friends, our identity should come from the one wounded for us instead of what others have done to us. If you look back in that passage that we read there a minute ago, as he finishes it out in verse 32, forgiving one another just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. That's the measuring stick there. You see, it's not that we can't forgive. It becomes a willingness issue. And friends, that takes time. And that is a decision that you have to make cancel the debt now I'm not so foolish to think all right we sit here for 20 minutes I'm gonna walk out of here and everything's fine and hunky-dory that's not what I'm saying I get that this is very hard because we have people in our church family that have dealt with rape and I can't even fathom the pain that they have we have people in our church family that have been betrayed by a spouse by their family members we have people in our own church family that have been abandoned by a parent and that leaves a gaping hole in their heart we have people in our church family that you have seen a tragedy happen to your child not to you to your child and that and that's hard that gets our that gets our ire up we get we get rattled i'm not asking you to fix everything right now i'm asking you to take steps in the direction of forgiveness you hear what i'm saying i'm asking you to can we begin the conversation how do we deal with this i got a really interesting book that i read this week charles b flood wrote a book called lee the last years it's about general robert e., robert lee um it's interesting i did not know this General Lee was only, he was only alive five more years after the Civil War. I didn't know that. I, that was amazing. And he spent the rest of his days, after he surrendered, he spent the rest of his days trying to heal the wounds between the North and the South. He didn't walk around being buried. He tried to go to people and, and reconcile. He was at this one particular, one of the stories, he was at this particular house in Kentucky with a little old lady that, had supported his effort, and he was seeing her, and she took him out in the front yard to a, what probably was at one time a glorious oak tree, a beautiful big oak tree, but it had been battered and beaten by the artillery from the north. And she started... Complaining, and she was mad, and she was really upset, and she was hoping he would sympathize and empathize with her, and then they could get together and they could criticize the North. And she griped for a little while, and then it got really quiet. And then the general looked at her and said, Cut it down, madam, and move on. Sometimes we hang on to too many wounds. Sometimes we hang on to broken things, and we idolize them. Maybe it's time to get out the saw, cut some things loose, and move on. You see, forgiveness is not fair. It is an unfair situation. I get that. There are people in your life that do not deserve forgiveness, Yes, you heard the preachers say that. There are people in your life that have hurt you so bad, they don't deserve forgiveness. But anotherers don't forgive because they deserve it. Anotherers forgive because we did not deserve it. And God gave it to us anyway. I've been really stuck on this all week. The most unfair thing on planet earth is our salvation. It's utterly ridiculous. I do all the sinning, and he does all the pain. It's just, that's the most unfair thing ever. It allows Paul to say in Colossians chapter 3, Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Did you notice what it said? Forgive who offends you. Not who stabbed you in the back with a knife. Not who, who offends you. And it says, remember... The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, reconciliation is a two-way street. I cannot be reconciled to you unless you want to be reconciled to me. It can't be happening. Unless you want it and I want it and we're willing to work at it, we can't have it. But forgiveness, forgiveness is a one-way street. Forgiveness, I can forgive, I, I can forgive whether or not you deserve it. I can forgive whether or not you ask for it. I can forgive it, forgive you whether or not you want it. I can forgive someone that's no longer alive. It's hard. I'm not saying it's a magic easy button. It is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's my choice. It is my choice because I see what has happened to me. It only matters. When I have experienced grace, when I really see the depths of my sin and the depths of His grace, that's why some have suggested that the early church actually had communion every day, not weekly, not quarterly, not monthly, every single day. Now, I'm not sure if they did or didn't. If you were there, you can let me know. I mean, it was a couple of thousand years ago, maybe you were there. I, we don't know for sure. I, but it's an interesting concept. It has some merit because they live in a world that was awful and unfair. The Roman oppression was such on Christians that the Romans could kill them for no reason whatsoever and not have any penalty. You backtalk a Roman soldier, he could kill your family in front of you. And there's not one thing you could do about it. You could be tortured. You could be martyred. It's not fair. They had every reason to be bitter. So this concept of having communion daily, there's, there's something to it. Maybe they came together to remember the story of Jesus. That he did not respond to evil with evil. To win, he lost. When Jesus was on the earth, he said, when he was in Matthew 5, on the Sermon on the Mount, he uh, said this in Matthew chapter 5, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar, in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When I was growing up, that verse was often used in and around the communion celebration. That that was our gift that we were laying at the altar. And so what I'm going to ask you to do today is come together with us and have communion if you're online i'm asking you to do that too and maybe that's going to require you kneeling maybe that's going to require your family huddling up together i don't know what that's going to require maybe it requires you listening to that verse and you say there is somebody that i'm holding something against now maybe you can't get up physically in this room and go to that person and reconcile but can you start the process Can we start the process of laying down our lives and anothering by forgiving? Because communion is reminding us that while he hung on the cross, taking our sins, he said, forgive them, they don't have a clue what they're doing. And that is unbelievable. He was teaching us this concept. And so I want us to share it together. Franklin is going to play, and we're going to allow just some space for this to happen. Maybe maybe you need to get down and kneel. Maybe you need to go somewhere. I, I'm okay with that. I'm not done. We're going to come back, and we're going to share some more thoughts. Maybe, maybe you just watch this slide that's up here, and it's this idea of the water washing away my sins. There's power in the blood. And... And they use just to allow this concept of forgiveness to, to soak. Let the music, let the space lead you to the foot of the cross. Lay down your gifts. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your idols of bitterness. And let Him work in you. Pray with me. Father God, in this room are many hurts. sometimes emotional, sometimes physical. Unforgivable things. Teach us what your forgiveness means. Teach us how deep your forgiveness goes. Remind us how amazing Your grace is. In this space, may Your mercy flow. And may we begin the process of forgiveness. The only way we can do that is through the power of Your Son, Jesus. And it's to You and through Him we pray. Amen. Please, take communion as you're led. From April to July of 1994, one of the most horrific genocides to ever see our planet happened. The country of Rwanda in Africa. It was staggering. In three months, nearly a million people were killed. That's an average of about 10,000 a day. 300,000 of them were children. And we heard very little about it. All the ones that were killed were a group called Rwandan Tutsis. They were also known as Watutsis, and they were killed by Hutu rebels. My wife gave me a book a while back, and it is a hard book, called As We Forgive by Catherine Larson that details all of this genocide that happened. You see, the... The Tutsis were typically a cattleman type of uh, lifestyle, They and they tended to have a little more money. And the Hutus tended to be ground farmers and tended to be poorer. And that's how the war started. Same skin color, same background, same hometowns, Same country, different economic levels. And in this three-month horrific time, Tutsis were killed for revenge. They were killed for sport. They were killed for hate. And over 95,000 children were orphaned in three months. It all started April the 6th, 1994, when the Rwandan Patriotic Front, RPF, Uh, They were an extremist group of Hutus. They took a shoulder-mounted RPG and they shot down a plane that was carrying the the presidents of Rwanda and Burundi. And they had been at a peace summit where they were trying to talk about these divisions in countries and these warlords and what can we do to bring peace about. And these extremists didn't want that. Now, we know about extremist philosophies. And they didn't want that. So they killed these presidents overnight the Hutus took over they issued orders to begin killing Tutsis on site before the UN even knew what was happening almost 300,000 had been murdered it was absolutely tragic and as I said many of us heard little about it if we heard about it we heard it in the middle of a news report. Oh, there's some kind of a civil war somewhere over there. i That's how I faced it, and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm humiliated by that. These Hutu warriors started killing everything, from guns to machetes, anywhere they could. And these refugees, many ran to churches ran to the churches in the center of town. They ran into the churches for asylum, for safety. And when the churches got full, if they were led by Hutu leaders, frequently they locked the doors. And it was the monks that provided the gasoline as they set the building on fire with people inside it. I... Can't even get my brain around this horrific picture. By October, the UN had interceded and brought in peacekeeping forces, but nearly a million are dead. They're trying to straighten out the country, settle it out. In April of 2000, a guy named Paul Kagame was the first democratically elected president of. Rwanda and he was a Tutsi that's the ones that were being killed and he's he's challenged with rebuilding this country but by 2003 they have over 120,000 of these Hutu murderers imprisoned 120,000 of them? where on earth do you put 120,000 killers massive overcrowding they said even with even with a functioning, fully functioning government, they said it would probably take over 200 years to see all of these cases and figure out what they were going to do with it. So, in 2003, President Paul Gagami, the, the Tutsi elected president, released 40,000 Hutu killers back into their country. Now, If one murderer moved into your neighborhood, how would you feel? How about 40,000 of them? And they want to murder you just because of who you are, what church you go to, what job you have. And the fact that the church is somehow assisted in these murders is a pain beyond understanding. How do we ever... Get past something like that. I share all of that because this week I had understood a story about six young men who were in university in Rwanda. And they were involved in a Bible study. And they got to working together. And they one particular Bible study, they, they prayed, God, use us to heal our land. Simple prayer. Last week, I challenged us to pray, God, use me to encourage. It's a simple prayer like that. And someone told these guys of an older woman in a village down the road that her house was in bad shape. Maybe they could do something about it. So they found out. They hiked to the village. They found out the lady's name. They went to her house. These are mud huts. Her walls were cracking. Thatched roofs. that were falling apart. So they jumped in there and started helping. They started making mud for the walls. They started getting thatched for the roofs. They ate some supper. And they said, we'll be back tomorrow. Didn't know this lady, didn't have any connection with this lady whatsoever. But they came back the next day. And they started working on her walls some more and some more on her roof. And they brought her some food. And for the next four or five weekends, they went. And with their own money, with their own resources, with their own energy, helping this little old lady. They got to where they called her grandmother. They did all of this for no pay, using their own money. And as the spring went along, one of those young men was about to graduate university. And as it is in most universities, there's a section for your parents to sit. Well, this young man was one of those 95,000 orphaned kids. And he had grown up with no parents, and he had made it all through school, and he made it to university. And so he asked this woman, would you come and sit in the place of my mother? And they set her a seat. They called her grandmother. But here's the kicker to the whole deal. She was Hutu. All the college boys were Tutsis. All of them were the ones that were orphaned or killed or or their families were killed. And all because of some stupid argument. Forgiveness only makes sense when we see how forgiven we are. We have to be the anotherers that don't repay evil with evil, that we take the initiative to repay evil with good. I want to read the passage that we started with, Ephesians 4 and verse 31 and 32. I want to read it from the living Bible and I want you to hear this. Stop being mean, bad tempered, and angry. This is Paul talking to church folk. Stop being mean, bad-tempered, and angry. Quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. Friends, I get that we are all a bunch of people that have been hurt but our identity does not need to come from what has happened to us our identity needs to come from the one that took the wounds for us we sang a song earlier Waymaker it's a familiar song most everybody knows that we've done it here But I got a hunch there are people in this room or people online That are listening to this discussion of forgiveness and saying, You got no idea what I've gone through. So I'm asking Him to make a way for you. He is a miracle working God. Maybe you need a miracle to begin the process of forgiveness. Maybe He will make, no, maybe, He will make a way where you can't even see a way. You may not see him working, but he is at work. And if this discussion, if this ripped a scab off of something, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Because God is calling us to anothering, to be members of one another, to lift each other up. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we put down the idolatry, of bitterness it's not easy I'm asking you to step in that direction so maybe you need to pray at this time maybe you need to go to the prayer room maybe you you just stick around afterwards or call us this week and let's go have a cup of coffee and let's start talking about this process but don't leave this place hanging on to that bitterness let him set you free Almighty God, I can't imagine what you went through watching your son hurt. But I know there are people in this room that are hurting. They need your miracle to forgive. So I'm calling on that strength, I'm calling on that courage to intervene. Teach us how to forgive. Because you forgave us. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in portales New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or
1: alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.